0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here's your host, Marie Biancuso.
1: Welcome, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to this show. I have with me today my special guest, Dr. Anne Eglish. Ann, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here. All righty. Well, this was going to be an exciting show because I think that all of you will enjoy hearing from Dr. Ann Eglish. She is a practicing family physician at the University of Wisconsin Health, where she's the medical director of an outpatient lactation program, and she leads a lactation clinic. She's a clinical professor of the Department of Family Medicine and is a board-certified lactation consultant. She is the co-founder of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine and she's a member of the Breastfeeding Advisory Committee of the American Academy of Family Practice Physicians. Anne is also involved in a number of other groups, and she is an award winner and an entrepreneur. I think that you will find that Anne is a mountain of knowledge, and if you ever have the opportunity to meet her in person, I think you'll find that she's just enormously warm, interesting to talk to, and you'll see that on today's show. Anne I know that the Academy of Family Practice Physicians is probably, I'd have to look it up, but I'm thinking the first statement that they came out with breastfeeding was probably one of the first of any medical group. And that was, I'm thinking in the early 90s, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, Can you give us, you know, everybody always hears about the Academy of, um, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and that's all well and fine. But as I'm a big fan of family practice Physicians, can you give us just kind of a little brief uh, snapshot of the AAFP statement on breastfeeding, the most recent one?
2: Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, the American Academy of Family Physicians just updated the most recent position statement on breastfeeding. And, you know, one of the reasons why people don't know as much about it is because it's not published in one of the family medicine journals. So it it um, doesn't end up in like the PubMed literature, um, which a lot of physicians look at. So sure. it, and it um, it's on the web though, so anyone can find it and it's free to, to read. Um, but there's um, a core group of... Um, breastfeeding medicine specialists who are also family physicians who sit on a committee who provide support to um, the American Academy of Family Physicians and give advice. And so we wrote it, and uh, we had marvelous support from the Committee on um, Public Health um, through the American Academy of Family Physicians, and the board really embraced our newer recommendations. And so we have a lot in there about um, uh, really... Emphasizing the importance of breastfeeding in the first two years, rather than saying the first year. Yes. Um, we incorporate information about a breastfeeding curriculum that we recommend for all uh, medical professionals to to have during their training. We talk about breastfeeding in the military. We talk about donor milk. We talk about the importance of breast milk for preemies. Um, we, pretty, we really tried to incorporate all aspects of breastfeeding for both the mother and the baby. And we felt like it should be in detail. And part of the reason why we could make it so lush and um, really expand our recommendations is is I guess because it isn't published. So you know, it's on the web, so we can sure. just make it as long as we want.
1: And I will have that link available on my website and so that people can find that quickly if if they're interested. And I did not specify here, but what we're talking about especially today is obesity in relationship to breastfeeding. So that brings up the whole obesity thing. Could you start us off, please? Because I'm thinking, you know, here it is, uh, right around Thanksgiving time, and I'm thinking, <laughs> about, <laughs> I'm thinking about that pie that I've put together for my family. Right. Tell, tell me this. Uh, most of us are probably feeling a little fat about this time of the year. So what's the difference between, help us to understand what it means to be overweight or what it means to be obese. We need to get that cleared up so that we can have the rest of this discussion.
2: Right. So we generally define um, overweight or obesity or normal weight by what's called the body mass index. And so it's sort of a, it's a calculation that looks at the weight in comparison to the height. So, you know, we can't just say that someone who's 200 pounds is overweight because that person might be six foot five versus, you know, five feet tall. So it it all has to do with um, height. And so um, the body mass index, the ideal body mass index is between 19 and 25. And so that if someone's 25 to 30, that's considered overweight. And then obesity starts from 30 on. And then more about obesity is closer to 35 to 40.
1: And you realize that when I get off the uh, call with you, I'm going to be eating and thinking about that. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And I know from your previous presentations, I know that often you talk about metabolic syndrome and I suspect that you'll probably mention that today. Before we get into this too deep, can you give us just a brief understanding of what is metabolic syndrome?
2: So metabolic syndrome um, really is a sign that the body is stressed about being overweight. So there are people who literally weigh 400 pounds who never have diabetes. They never have high blood pressure. um, uh, Their cholesterols are great and their body tolerates their body fat. They do fine. Um, But when people, um, as they become, most people when they become overweight, they start to have um, other symptoms that show lack of wellness, such as an elevated high blood pressure, an elevated fasting blood sugar, meaning when they wake up in the morning, their blood sugar is a little bit high, their cholesterol is a little bit high, um, they have, they tend to carry their weight in their bellies, and that combination of of symptoms and signs is what we define as the metabolic syndrome and the problem is that we know that people who have metabolic syndrome are at higher risk are at higher risk for things like real high blood pressure diabetes um, and high cholesterol, which all translates into the higher risk of heart attacks and strokes and dementia. Okay, so yeah.
1: I'm going to the why after I talk to you instead mm-hmm. of eating. How's that? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, Anne, help us to link this up a little bit with the breastfeeding issues then. I'm thinking about the information that we've had on recent studies by, uh, well, even some of them not so recent. I'm thinking of Hilson, uh, Kugelka, and others who have shown that obesity is related to the intention to breastfeed. So kind of help us with what's this correlation here between obese women and their intention to not breastfeed.
2: Well, that's complicated, and part of it is probably related to the fact that women of lower socioeconomic groups have a higher risk of being obese, and we know that women from lower socioeconomic groups also have lower education, and uh, they have less intention to breastfeed because of that lesser education. So there's a direct correlation between lack of education, not as likely to breastfeed, and then you throw obesity in there because they're at risk for being obese. Yes. So it, it may just really be the fact that they're lower socioeconomic class, and not specifically because they're overweight. But there are also there's also some evidence that women who are overweight feel really self conscious about their bodies and really are uncomfortable just dis, um, displaying their breasts um, with other health professionals. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I was thinking, and I'm not up on this literature at all, but I bumped into some literature a while ago that showed that women who were obese were less likely to go for pap smears. Uh, and I thought, well, that kind of makes some sense to me because I think that women who are overweight or obese are just so self-conscious about showing their body, if you will. Yes. So to me, the breastfeeding thing kind of makes sense. They don't want to be observed. They don't want to be helped with a naked body or a semi-naked body or something. But would it be fair, and to say that there is in fact th- that the more the more likely a woman is to be obese, the more the less likely she is to breastfeed. Would that be a fair statement?
2: I would say so. And also, outcomes of breastfeeding—it just becomes sort of a snowball effect because, yeah. as women weigh more, um, like getting into that body mass index between forty and fifty, the the likelihood of having breastfeeding failure is so much higher that many of these women find themselves, you know, not breastfeeding for very long because they face these incredible challenges. Yes,
1: yes, so and uh, intention is one thing, but the the next thing is the actual initiation of breastfeeding, and over many years of helping these women, sometimes I find that they do come in and they do say they 're going to do it, but in fact, they kind of fall off the wagon uh real real quickly what's We know that there's some relationship there. That has been noted in the literature. I'm thinking of Rosie Lee's study in 2003 and certainly others, but
2: uh, can you address that a little bit? What do you think that's all about? I think it's multifactorial. I think uh, one issue is that women who are obese have more complications from labor and delivery. So they may be more likely to be on magnesium or be separated uh, yeah. from the baby. They're more at risk for having a premature infant. So that in itself puts them through challenges. Um, so, for example, now many women, after they deliver, if they're separated from their baby, they're asked to pump and also manually express. Well, it's yes. really hard to manually express really large breasts. Absolutely. So they may feel like, you know, they don't have the and may feel uncomfortable with that. Um, so, so there's those. There are those complications. There's also, you know, the physiologic issue is that many of these women, their milk is delayed in, in coming in, and we're not a hundred percent. Um, we don't have a great understanding of that. There are definitely some good clues that we have in studies as to why it takes the milk to come in later. But then they're facing these issues of, oh, the baby is not gaining well. And they already have kind of a poor self-image of their bodies. Yes. And they may feel like, okay, I knew I couldn't do it. I knew my yep. breast wouldn't be able to do it. And so then they stop. And there's one and- third thing. I just want to mention that, sure. these, that w- studies show that women who are obese are less likely to ask for help from health professionals. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. You know, and I was also thinking as you were talking that I wonder if there is some relationship between the fact that a woman who has trouble setting a weight loss goal and achieving it might be the same woman who has trouble setting a goal for breastfeeding and achieving it. I'm more and more interested in this idea of uh, goal setting and beating yourself up when you don't meet the goal I I really believe that's a I've not seen a lot of research on that maybe you have I don't know if I have not seen it am I wrong
2: I don't know. I'm. I'm not. I, that I. I wouldn't know. I mean, obviously. I mean, clearly, there are women who are overweight who are very, very successful with whatever they do. So that's true. Um, that's you know, true. and so. But for many women um, and men too, um, their obesity um, can be related to um, eating as an outlet of stress. Like their stress yes. management incorporates yes. eating, which you know is so deeply ingrained in our society. So yes. I'm not sure that I would. Think about oh, that as like trouble, yeah, with goal setting, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I just, uh, I, as I said, I've never seen any research on that, but I have had that wondering. On the other hand, you do make a really good point, which is there are plenty of uh, women who are overweight who have been successful. Uh, I think of myself as pretty successful, but I'm most certainly (laughs) overweight. (laughs) Got got an N of one right here. Uh, This has been so informative. Uh, I am here today with Dr. Ann Eglish. We're talking about obesity as related to breastfeeding. I'm Marie Biancuso, your host for Born to be Breastfed. We'll be right back after this short break.
3: Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit BreastfeedingOutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Bancuzo. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Dr. Ann Eglush, a family practice doctor who has given us a lot of insights already about issues with obesity in general and obesity as related to the initiation and continuation of breastfeeding. So picking up on this continuation of breastfeeding, Anne, how does obesity affect milk production?
2: Well, it looks like there's a direct correlation between the body mass index and difficulty making enough milk, meaning that women who have a body mass index between 30 and 40 make less milk than those who have... Um, a body mass index of forty to fifty, and so there are a number of reasons why we suspect that may be the case, and there we're still really there are a lot of studies being done to really understand the sort of the biochemical underpinnings of that okay mm-hmm. so one so one studies show that women who are overweight have difficulty raising their prolactin levels when they're nursing. So what's supposed to happen when women breastfeed is that with the nipple stimulation of the baby at the breast, the prolactin level, which is the hormone in the brain that tells the breast to get going, to make the milk, that hormone level doesn't pop up quite as high. And the studies done on that are really like short. They're not there aren't a lot of patients involved in those studies, but it's kind of a clue. Um, we're not quite sure why that's happening. Um, another reason might be because of having what we call high androgen levels. So women with um, a history of something like polycystic ovarian syndrome who have high testosterone levels, um, that, that, that what we call male, male hormone or androgen level may actually blunt the um, sort of the prolactin's ability to get the breast to start going to making milk, um, and then the third thing is now we're um, there. Are, there are some good studies looking at women who are overweight who have that metabolic syndrome who may not have necessarily high androgen levels, but um, they have like some pre-diabetes, the blood sugars are a little bit high, and it seems like if they have um, those women have high insulin levels and that high insulin level seems to play a role in the body not making as much milk right away so that's like the the most cutting-edge research that's happening at Cincinnati um so if uh if you get a chance to look at uh, Lori Namson rivers studies Uh she's she's doing that work at Cincinnati yeah and and she has done much much wonderful work over the last
1: 20 more or more years, uh, and uh, she's a registered dietitian for anyone who's interested, but she does really, really superb work. And uh, and I'm just going to pull that together then. You mentioned the prolactin levels, or, or should I say the lower prolactin levels, the higher androgen levels, and the possibility of the diabetes fitting into all of this. So exactly. and here's another question that uh, has come up from time to time. I know that a diabetic woman not only can breastfeed, but actually should breastfeed. Can you talk a little bit more about why that's
2: so important? Yeah, I mean, the issue is that women who have diabetes, they can control their blood sugars much better postpartum because they're actually using energy, you know. So when we always say for people who are diabetics, like if you use your energy, your blood sugars are lower. Um, And so this is a great benefit for women. And I've had a number of type 1 diabetics, the women who, you know, have juvenile onset diabetes, who have diabetes not because they're overweight, but because they Um, their bodies don't make enough insulin. And their blood sugars actually remain very stable. They do fine. Um, Some women are scared. They're told that their blood sugars will be a mess when they breastfeed, but they do fine. Um, The women who have the type 2 diabetes, like the adult onset diabetes, who have, for the first time, like gestational diabetes, and then go on to have some higher blood sugars later on, they have a tougher time with, um, with volume. And again, it gets back to those things that we talked about with having the higher insulin levels and having um, maybe the high androgen levels and being obese. Um, But the the thing is that the babies need to be breastfed because if mom has diabetes, the baby's risk of diabetes is so much higher and, and breastfeeding helps to prevent the onset of both type 1 and type 2 diabetes in the baby. So unfortunately, the fear that I have is that as our nation becomes more obese, breastfeeding is, is going to become more challenging, which will beget more, more obesity uh, and more diabetes uh, in the children. So I, and, see where you're, yeah. you, I see where you're going
1: with that. You're saying it could really be a downhill spiral here. For our, right, for our species, basically. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, it's, I, I have found that usually when I'm trying to motivate people to breastfeed, I try to pick on the thing that really does... Uh, strike them as being a risk. And certainly anybody who is a diabetic knows that their risk of being a diabetic is very high. And so sometimes I can sort of approach it with the standpoint of, look, you know, you don't want to bring this onto your child as well. And I also think that generally women who are pregnant or breastfeeding tend to be a little bit more receptive, if you will, to what they're doing for the next generation. They do. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting, too, that as you say, the more obese we become, uh, that problem is going to just buy us more long term problems. Yes. Anyone who is interested in this obesity trend needs to go to the uh, site of the the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC. It's cdc.gov, and they've got all sorts of very frightening statistics. Uh, Dr. Eglish is in uh, Wisconsin. I am based in Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., but wherever you are, you can tell what the – obesity level is or the overweight level for your state this year as compared to 20 years ago or whatever you want. And uh, as I hear her talking, it really seems to me that we are in fact getting that downhill spiral. So Anne, tell us about this. A, A lot of times what I find is that put aside the body image issue or exposing yourself or being seen or helped or whatever. Put aside all of that. I have seen women who are, in fact, willing to breastfeed. They don't mind being observed or helped or whatever. But the fact of the matter is getting that baby's little tiny mouth on that big breast, at least in my experience, is often... uh, very discouraging for others. I know that you run the Outpatient Lactation Clinic. Tell us a little bit about your own observations and how you've helped those women.
2: Well, I would say that Obesity is not always related to size of the breast. Um, well, that's true. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, they, um, so yes. even women who are normal weight, who maybe are mildly overweight, can still have really large breasts. Absolutely. And yes. um, but women who are morbidly obese, like you know, where their body mass index is over forty, where they may be you know close to you know two hundred and fifty, three hundred pounds, they oftentimes have larger breasts and with more body fat. And uh, yeah, it can be really difficult for them to get their arms out far enough to hold the baby in front of the breast. And so um, oftentimes they need a lot of assistance with putting the baby to the breast, being able to see the breast, being, being be able to see the, the baby at the breast, to look at the mouth to make sure the baby's latched on well.
1: Visualization.
2: Right. And then just being able to uh, manually express their breasts can be more challenging too. So, yeah, that, that definitely can be an issue that can lead women to not be successful in breastfeeding.
1: I've never seen any literature on this, but just in real life, it seems to me like the women with the big breasts often have more incidence of candidiasis. Have you seen that in your practice as well, the yeast?
2: Uh, no. no. No, I have not noticed that. No. Mm-mm.
1: Okay. Well, then I could be goofy or <laughs> maybe I, maybe you know, I, I think... just live
2: further south than you do where it's hotter.
1: I don't know. But
2: anyway. That might be, that might be the case. I mean, the thing is that women who have really large breasts... Um, will have more chafing in what we call intertrigo, where there's a rash that occurs in skin folds, like under the breast, between the breast and the chest wall, where there's, you know, know, areas that don't get aired out very much. And so I do see a lot of rashes under the breast and oftentimes that's a combination of just general irritation plus yeast and so that may be why you're seeing that but yeah it's it really doesn't get hot for very long up here in wisconsin i would think (laughs) so so tell us about this what about women who are considering
1: bariatric surgery that is stomach stapling uh what uh, How does that fit into the whole breastfeeding equation?
2: Well, um, women, um, if they're going to have um, some sort of um, stomach bypass or bariatric surgery, definitely... Should be encouraged to do it before they become pregnant um, i 've yes. seen some women become pregnant while they 're like right after they had surgery, which is more challenging for them because it 's hard for them to get their nutrients. but these women do fine they do absolutely fine, and it helps because if they lose weight, their risks during pregnancy are so much lower, their success with breastfeeding is improved because of their, you know their blood sugars are better, their body fat's down, their insulin levels are down so it 's a great idea it 's a you know I, I think for some women it's a it 's a marvelous um, option and can be extremely successful for women. There are some nutritional issues that we watch for women who 've had bariatric surgery, just making sure that the baby 's um, receiving adequate b12 through her breast milk and that um, her like her her levels of um, Vitamins are fine in her bloodstream. So it's good for her if she's going to consider this to have the bariatric surgery, wait, because it takes like a good year to sort of get back on her feet again in terms of her nutritional status. And then um, once she has the go ahead from the bariatric surgeon that she's, you know, sort of flying, you know, at a stable level nutritionally, then she could get pregnant
1: and Anne, would it be fair in the couple of minutes that we have left? Would it be fair to say that that is true also of the quote lap band surgery? I did not specifically mention that.
2: Yeah, um, you know, I don't see as many lap bands um, okay. here in Wisconsin, so I don't have a lot of experience with those. But um, yeah, any um, anything that can cause a reduction, you know, like a rapid weight loss yes. um, can lead to, you know, decrease in nutrients. And so just once that weight loss has stabilized out and her nutrients look good, then um, getting, then becoming pregnant should not be an issue and breastfeeding should be less, there should be a greater likelihood of success if she was. Success, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: I'd just like to follow up and say that anyone who has had that type of surgery needs to look at all their complete nutritional status. Although Dr. Eglish Uh, correctly mentioned that B12 is usually the big thing, but the whole nutritional status thing is something that just needs, somebody just needs to be monitoring that and make sure that all is well. When we come back, Uh, we're going to be talking about the impact of lactation's effect on obesity, whereas just now we finished up talking about the impact of obesity on lactation. So we're going to kind of tip this upside down, talk about it from the other direction. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I will be back with Dr. Ann Eglish right after this short break.
3: We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their New Angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA by N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your new angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com.
0: Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, Come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703 787 9894 to find an option that works for your staff. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed.
1: I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Dr. Ann Eglish. In the previous segment, we talked about the impact of obesity on lactation. So we talked about prolactin levels and uh, diabetic women and bariatric surgery and all of that. Now we're going to talk about really the impact of lactation's effect on obesity. So, Ann. What do we know about the relationship of weight loss and postpartum loss uh, as related to uh, breastfeeding?
2: Well, that is very interesting. You'd think that a woman who's putting out five hundred to a thousand calories a day in her milk yeah. would lose weight rapidly. And some yeah. women like just really lose that weight rapidly. Like they just, you know, are back into their skinny jeans in a week. Um, and you know, after losing the baby, you know, losing the twenty pounds of the baby, the water, and then that first week of sweating and maybe not being as hungry and starting with this milk production, they really can lose a lot of weight fast. And some women have trouble maintaining their weight. But there's, there is a group of women who just cannot budge with their weight, no matter how much they restrict their calorie intake. So that's why the, the research does not really support this um, strong message that, oh, you know, you breastfeed and you lose all that baby weight. But, you know, what happens is that women who nurse – if they're not losing that weight, like that extra 10 or 20 pounds, as soon as they stop nursing, it's like it just falls right off. Absolutely. Like I yeah, totally I agree.
1: Yeah. They they will be like kind of stuck. And right. then all of a sudden when they wean, it's like some magic wand just came over them and all of a sudden they just drop that weight that... and. At least for me, I do not, and I have never promised women that they will lose weight faster because I feel like that's one of those things that then if it doesn't happen, then I feel like I don't look very genuine or very informed or whatever. And I've just seen that situation where uh, it's true that some of those women can drop that weight in no time flat. But, uh, and, 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 and help me on this. When I have read those studies, I have seen mixed results, and I have seen mixed results in practice. Would you agree on both
2: fronts? Yeah, absolutely. mixed. Yeah, people complain to me all the time about how, how come I'm not losing weight? And, you know, we do talk about calories, and I'll sometimes um, have them use like a calorie counter thing like loseit.com or oh, yeah. Fitness mm-hmm. Pal, just so they can look at calories because sometimes, you know, like if you've ever been to a party with a bunch of breastfeeding women, they're hanging around the food table food because... Table. You just are so hungry. You know, you're so yes. hungry when you lactate. And so it might be that they're taking in too many calories. Um, but um, so sometimes I have, I just say, you know, go look at the calorie counter, add in an extra like 750 calories for lactation, just to give yourself, you know, that room. Oh, nice. Um but, but generally, so I get, but if they really say, you know, look, I got, my gosh, you know, I'm only taking in 1500 plus, you know, adding in the 750 for lactation and they're still not losing weight, then I'll say, you know what, your hormones are just, they have you stuck. And I, we don't, really, we don't really have a great understanding of why that happens. But the studies, what they need to do is they need to follow women long enough to look at them like six months after they wean to really see what happens to their weight, um, you know, over that longer term rather than just saying, oh, over three to four months, women who this, you know, women who are nursing may not be losing as much weight as what we thought. You see what I'm saying? Because yes. again, they drop that weight when they wean.
1: Yeah, yeah and do and we know, is there any study that says that eventually, eventually, That the breastfeeding mother is more likely to actually get to her pre-pregnant weight...
2: Well, the, the the research shows that um, women who... So in other who, words, I'm talking about a, a result, not speed. Right, exactly. Right. Okay. So the research um, that has been documented pretty well by Alison Stuby, when she oh, yeah. um, went went and looked at like women's health studies, you know, the nurses study, all that like huge body of data that they have and looked at um, breast, history of breastfeeding. Women who have a history of nursing their kids, um, they have a lower risk. As an older adult, like in their late 40s and 50s, of having heart disease, diabetes, and obesity. So um, her theory. It, that I've read in one of her articles is that when women become pregnant um, you know women are prone to gestational diabetes and yes. their bodies are less sensitive to their own insulin so um, they almost develop almost everyone who's pregnant develops what we would call the metabolic syndrome you know they gain weight in their bellies of course right, um, right. <laughs> but their their blood sugars are higher you know because a lot of people have these borderline you know fasting blood sugar levels but they basically all become a little bit of a metabolic syndrome and then the idea of like is that it, it, um, it resets the metabolism again oh, in order that. to become more sensitive to one 's body 's insulin, so that 's why we see a lower risk of diabetes in women who breastfeed so if a woman has, has a history of gestational diabetes, I tell her you know what you're so if she has gestational diabetes, she has a forty percent risk of having diabetes in in the future as an adult yes and if she um, Breastfeeds, then her, her risk is much lower. She doesn't have that 40% risk.
1: I love the word you use. You said that lactation
2: resets
1: the metabolism. And one of the things that I have found over the years, of just being a, a simple nurse with just observational skills, is that lactation really normalizes the woman. And yes,
2: exactly. we need
1: to keep in mind when somebody says, oh, but you can't, whatever, because of breastfeeding. Well, wait a minute. You know, breastfeeding is the norm. Exactly. I had this discussion with Kathleen Kendall Tackett a few uh, podcasts ago where we talked about how, no, breastfeeding does not put you at risk for more postpartum depression. And you're right. saying the same thing. Breastfeeding does not put you at risk for obesity. Breastfeeding really puts you back into a situation where you are more like the pre-pregnant state and it is that breastfeeding is normal. It's what you're supposed to be doing. Exactly, yes, it's really
2: important for you. It's really important for women's bodies. I mean, not only to reset their metabolism so that they're healthier, but also, you know, for improved bone strength. The research is, we don't have enough research on that in that matter, but we need that bone remodeling that happens with breastfeeding. The lower risk of breast cancer is huge. Huge. And we don't talk enough about that. Yeah, that is no, so don't. important. It, it, um, the lower is. risk of ovarian cancer endometrial cancer, um, and the low, and there is a lower risk of um, postpartum depression. And you know, the brain, like all these studies that are coming in, out now, looking at um, the. Um, function of the woman's brain when she nurses, like those hormone surges that happen during nursing really have a permanent effect on the brain. Like women are more productive. They definitely bond more with their babies. They have a greater sense of love and attachment to children, particularly to their own children. I mean, it's pretty astounding, the difference in the brain of the woman who's nursed and the brain of the woman who has not nursed.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that we really talk a lot about, and this was one reason why I wanted to get the focus on the mother today, we talk about a lot about the benefits to the baby or even the long-term effects uh, to the baby, but we don't really talk a lot about that uh, effect that is a long-term for the mother. Uh, so tell me this, Anne, uh, I often find as a nurse, it is very difficult for me to start the conversation about breastfeeding and obesity. And, uh, you know, I really want to say to the woman, look, if you just breastfeed, you'd be more likely to, to uh, be, you'd be less likely to be obese. But how do I nicely say that? How how do you really help people to realize that this is a wonderful opportunity for themselves and for their babies, that this is protective really. How can how can give me some tips for how do those of us because we do have some healthcare providers who are listening, how do we start that conversation in a Mm -hmm. respectful way?
2: Well, I think one of the first things to say to a woman who you want to approach and ask about infant feeding is really just to ask her, what are your thoughts about infant feeding? Because as soon as you start saying, as soon as you ask that first question, like, what do you think about breastfeeding and how long are you hoping to breastfeed or are you planning to breastfeed? Yep. You've, yep. Put your, you've put yourself in a camp. You've yep. put yourself on a side. And if the woman yes. f- may feel like, okay, here's a breastfeeding Nazi. I'm going to just yep. clam up and Nazi a thing. <laughs> they and get so, They get defensive. Right. But if you say, yeah. what do you think about infant feeding? They see the door open and then they can be, I feel like I can have a more honest conversation with that woman about what she's thinking. And, you know, I think it's all about breaking down myths. So um, I don't target right away, like you're overweight and you need to be breastfeeding because, you know, quite honestly, I know she's going to have challenges, that huh? that she has a higher risk for challenges. Not, of course, there are many women who are overweight who do a great job with breastfeeding. They make oodles of milk and they donate to our milk banks. you know, yeah, so we can't. <laughs> And so we can't be judgmental about that, but um, I think, and, and it's, and yes, it's important for obese women, but it's important for every woman, you know, because of the risk of breast cancer and, uh, brain development and things like, and bone strength and things like that for, you know, every woman. So I like to treat all women equally and just say, you know, what are your thoughts about, um, infant feeding? You know, what are your plans to feed the baby? Cause you know, they're going to feed the baby. You just need to know what their thoughts are and then start, um, uh, Talking about, like, with her responses, start to investigate more if she has uh, myths or um, ideas that um, that sort of t- stand in her way about breastfeeding and, and start to educate on, based on what her thoughts are.
1: Well, yeah, because sometimes uh, talking about this whole body image thing, there are lots of women who think that that breastfeeding is going to ruin their breasts or ruin their figure. And, of course, that just is totally a myth. It just doesn't work at all. But certainly in the situation where we've got somebody for whom body image may be a, a factor, that carefulness is important. I think it's interesting too, Anne, you know, for years when people have said, oh, we're running the breastfeeding class at the hospital and we really have trouble getting people to come and blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that I often say is as soon as you start calling it a breastfeeding class, remember that anybody who's not interested in breastfeeding is not going to show up. Exactly. And It should be an infant feeding class. Yeah, absolutely. Mm Because I really feel like when you are, if if you're really trying to catch those people that are a little undecided or uh, may feel like I I, I think that people don't want to choose something that they don't know about or they don't know the effects of. And so it's like, okay, fine. Well, everybody else bottle fed so I'm going to do that too. So I'm totally in your camp on this one. Um, And before we close out this segment, can you just very briefly address for us anything about obesity and cesareans or child spacing, either one?
2: Um, Well, obese obese women are more likely to have C-sections, especially as they um, have a higher uh, body mass index. So women who have a very, very high body mass index have such a higher rate of um, C-sections because of concerns about infant growth, um, emergency crash C-sections because of... um, Uh, preeclampsia or eclampsia. um, Infant size, if a a baby's perceived to be too large, they'll do a C-section. So they do have a higher rate of C-section. What was the other question about? Uh, uh, Yes, I was just, uh,
1: oh, child spacing. And as we're coming up on the break, I will just kind of pull that together with, I I have read the, the research that shows that child spacing is also an important part of getting back to your pre-pregnancy weight. Have you seen that in clinical practice?
2: Um, I think, yes, because if women have more time, if they're dealing with their weight, you know, if they're eating healthily and back to exercise, yes, then they have a chance to definitely get back to their pre-pregnancy weight. Yes. If they go from... Right. Yeah. And they're going to nurse. And, you know, they're going to nurse longer, obviously, if, they're don't, if they don't become pregnant right away again. So that gives them the chance to lose some weight if that truly happens. But then, of course, as we talked about, when they're done nursing, they'll drop that weight too.
1: True. So mm-hmm. true. I've been talking with Dr. Anne Eglush. She has helped us to understand the impact of lactation on obesity and related factors. When we come back, we'll try to be wrapping up this session with some practical tips don't go away we'll be right back after this short break
3: new angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels feel the difference soft absorbent and breathable Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. Buy N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit BreastfeedingOutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894.
0: You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso, your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Dr. Ann Eglush, and we've been talking about breastfeeding as related to mothers who are overweight or obese. Uh, Ann, can you tell us, Help us to just get some really, really practical tips, whether we are the mother listening to this show or the person who is taking care of the mother who is overweight or obese and wants to breastfeed. Can you give us, you mentioned, for example, something like loseit.com. I personally have used that app. It's an excellent one. Uh, Any other practical tips that come to your mind?
2: Well, I think that um, for women who are overweight um, or who are obese, especially if they know that they've had um, some mild gestational diabetes um, or they've had a history of elevated blood sugars before pregnancy um, or they have a little hypertension, those women are more at risk for not having sufficient milk in the first couple weeks. And so my suggestion would be to to... To recognize that that may happen, but it doesn't mean that it will destroy breastfeeding and to be very patient and to work with a lactation specialist who has an understanding of these risk factors so that she can have maximal support. Um, in order to be successful, so she may need some help with um, some medication to increase her milk supply in addition to to getting that really great counseling about uh, latch and frequency of feeding and making sure the baby's doing a good job at the breast and that she's um, having adequate breast drainage with pumping, manual expression, things like that. So she just may need a lot of extra support.
1: So, those are things that we would recommend for any mother with a situation where she didn't have good milk production or good milk ejection or good milk transfer. It's just that it becomes
2: more, more.
1: On the radar, so to speak.
2: Right, more on the radar. Because, you know, the worst thing in the world is when the baby is, like, you know, not getting enough milk. And I've seen situations where obese women are told, just keep the baby at the breast. Just keep the baby at the breast. And they have a delay in their milk coming in. And so then that baby by day three or four is down, you know. Fifteen percent from the exactly. birth weight, which we don't, you know, we don't want the birth weight. We don't we don't go want there. the weight exactly, and yeah. then the baby's at risk, and maybe the baby has a seizure, gets readmitted, and you know that's unnecessary. Like that anticipatory guidance, teaching families early on. Well, here are some risks that you may have. Let's watch this baby closely, and providing that yeah. safety net for the families is important.
1: And I forgot to ask you earlier, so can we just address quickly, it seems to me that there's a study or two out there that shows that some women who are overweight or obese simply did not get enough breast tissue in their bodies. Is there a truth to that and uh, can you address that just briefly, please?
2: So this is not 100% understood, but um, there, there are a number of um, stages along the way where this can happen. So we know that women who are obese as teenagers, when they're going through that preteen and teen stage and developing their breast tissue, if they have elevated um, Fasting insulin levels and high testosterone levels early on, they may not have the breast changes um, to develop normal sized breasts. And so you can see some obese women who have breasts that almost look pre And yes. those are women who oftentimes don't have the, like, the, the, the seed in the breast that's actually going to develop into that lush tree that we want to develop in the breast in order to make milk. Um, the other, so some women, um, had that happens? some women um, develop polycystic ovarian syndrome later, and probably because of having high testosterone levels or high what we call androgen levels during pregnancy, they also may not notice very many breast changes during their pregnancy as well. So, so- again...
1: This kind of goes into the whole be vigilant, have anticipatory guidance. And, and for, for those of people who might not have joined us in the first segment or, or the second or third segment, can you just pull together some of the take-home messages that you have for us today as related to hormonal changes, weight gain, weight loss, type 2 diabetes? Can you just summarize for us the kinds of things that you've gone through?
2: Um, sure. So um, we know that women who are overweight, um, particularly obese with a body mass index over 30 and beyond, have more challenges with breastfeeding. And it would not be a bad idea for them to see a lactation spe- specialist even during pregnancy to talk about um, some things, things that they can do to make sure that breastfeeding goes well. So we want to encourage women, even before they become pregnant, to try to get down to um, a body weight that's healthy for them because they'll also have a healthier pregnancy as well as an easier time with lactation. Um, We know, though, that women who are overweight, um, it's important for them to breastfeed because we know that their risk of diabetes and breast cancer and other conditions associated with obesity such as um, diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, strokes, and heart attacks are lower in women who breastfeed. So we want those women to be um, successful breastfeeding. Absolutely. And
1: among the many, many things that you have done, which have, I mean, you've just got such an impressive CV, and I would encourage everyone to take a look at it. But the thing that I was especially interested in this summer when I talked to you was the milk mob. Can you give us just a brief description of what the milk mob is? And how do we find you on the internet?
2: Sure. So, um, probably the best way to find me is through the Milk Mob, um, www.themilkmob.org. This is a nonprofit organization that I began um, this year and early this year based on the fact that. We know that a lot of energy right now is being put into developing baby-friendly hospitals, which is um, an accreditation system where hospitals um, go through 10 steps in order to break down barriers to breastfeeding to make sure that women are breastfeeding successfully when they leave the hospital. But when they call their doctor's office they oftentimes don 't get the help that they need they 're oftentimes given the wrong advice because the problem is that physicians and office nurses and other staff in the offices don 't have any breastfeeding education through their through their professional training so with the milk mob what we 're trying to do is is to um, educate. Uh, physicians and office nurses, medical assistants in offices so that when these women leave the hospital, they can find someone in that office who's really knowledgeable. So it's, yeah. a, it's a training system. It's a training program that we're trying to spread throughout the country. Um, Make sure
1: that yeah. everyone uh, takes a look at that. It is www.themilkmob.com. Dot com. I've been here dot today work. with Dr. Ann Eglish. That's all the time that we have today. Thank you so much for listening to Born to be Breastfed. I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. Visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up. And if you are a professional who's interested in professional continuing education, take a look at my professional site. It's www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. I am your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise that I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.